It says here we should work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? I don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight, Alan. Gambling? Who say anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Welcome in. <laughs> we are live. It was a seamless transition this time. I actually didn't massively screw up on uh, on how to handle the transitions. Tom equipped us well. We got our beautiful new background set up with plenty of people. Look, I uh, next Friday, I might not be on the show because we have a, a boat cruise with my law class next week. And what, what that means is that when I wake up from that boat cruise, I will be hungover. And uh, that's what we're doing today. We're going to have the hangover. Uh, we're going to talk about the week one studs and duds and surprises and everything that came out of that. And it feels like we've all been in this sort of collective hangover experience this week. You know, we're logging into Twitter. It's a little bit painful. You get like this, this <laughs> feeling in your brain as it presses against your skull. vein popping in right? your neck. You know, and you're like, man, what did I do? What are, what, I'm, what are all these decisions that I made? Everybody needs to relax. It's fine. Take an Advil, right? And and move on to week two. That's what we're going to do today. And I'm happy to do it. Hosting the show today. Uh, you know, Tom, like you're trying behind the scenes, but he's really slacking. It feels like I'm hosting like one or two shows a month here. But I'm, <laughs> I'm okay, you know, sitting in the host chair because I have my my best buddy. I know Billy's best friend is week two. But uh, <laughs> but I can hear Billy. What's up, big Billy? FF? How are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm sorry that I wasn't here last week. I had to go see my girlfriend. But thankfully, because of that, I haven't seen any football that wasn't prime time this year, which is apparently the best time to watch football because every single game that happens oh, on an God. island is absolutely phenomenal. Except when the but Bears yeah, play. <laughs> except when the Bears play. <laughs> but yeah, it's just me and Jacob here today. Tom isn't here. He's still recovering from having picked OBJ for his week one picks. Yeah. And while me and Jacob usually do a mock when Tom isn't here, instead of doing that, I'm just going to continue to mock both of them after oh, I brought home the gold oh, oh. for week one. That's what I like to hear. And now, a little bit later in the show, I get to set up my week two victory as well. Looking forward to that. Jacob, how have you been? Man, I've been good. Uh, you know, it's crazy. I'm settling into a, a new city. I'm getting used to living in a city where it rains perpetually. Uh, it's it's extremely annoying. Uh, if anyone's checked in on their DFS lineups for Seattle and Tennessee and they're scared about the weather, you know what I'm experiencing right now. Uh, it's, it's the worst. Uh, today, right now, it's 10 above uh, Celsius. If you're one of those Fahrenheit people, I'm not really sure what to tell you. I think that's like 30. I don't know. I'll uh, get the math. And uh, it's it's horizontal rain with 50 kilometer hour winds. That's right, kilometers, uh, because that's how we do it up here in the metric north. But otherwise, all is well. I mean, look, man, week one to week two, I think is one of the most potentially profitable weeks because it, it feels like there's all of these different reactions, and it's not even proportionate to the news. Like I, I was taught, I put out a tweet earlier. I just put Brandon Ayuk, 15 routes on 27 snaps. Robert Woods, 18 routes on 27 snaps. That's like one series worth of routes difference, right? And we had this whole conversation this week, catastrophizing the Brandon Ayuk situation. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about it. I think there's obviously reason to be concerned. But the amount of digital ink spilled on Robert Woods, I mean, that wouldn't be enough to, to, to hurt a duck in a small pond, right? No one's talking about it. Nobody cares. And that's the biggest thing I think with week one is you see all of these big storylines and some of them we really react to 
some of them we really don't and figuring out you know which ones people are overreacting to how you take advantage of that especially in dynasty and then which ones are are real but people haven't fully acted on yet i think that's where you can make up a lot of ground really in all formats so what's what's sort of the big thing that your big takeaway from from week one transitioning to week two all right i get to cheat on this one a little bit because it also includes last night's game which is that Heineke is starting to sound a lot like MVP. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm I, over here I, now. I was going to be, I forgot for a second that, that we have these nice little overlays and that my <laughs> face would get really large. So I was going to play out that gimmick a little longer, but yeah. yeah so Heineke, your Heineke is the MVP now. I, I don't think Heineke is the MVP, but I think Heineke if you're in a situation right now where I was a lot this uh, last week where Heineke was on dynasty waivers, you need to go buy Heineke. What leagues do you play in? I have like two leagues where he was on the dynasty waivers. He was on the waivers in the, the league of record. Oh, but I have like 7 million quarterbacks that league. I didn't care. <laughs> I, I have Tannehill, Rodgers, and Dak. And besides Rodgers <laughs> sucking, uh, <laughs> I was still putting him money for Heineke. I think I, think but I like, fit in a bit, but I didn't get him. I, I have like, well, Matt Ryan, it's questionable whether he's actually a quarterback, but uh, I have Hurts, who's the GOAT, you know, Wentz, and we got Jimmy G out there, I think. Jordan Love, of course, the, who I think led the Packers in fantasy points. The quarterback. You don't have Jordan Love. I got Jordan Love. Oh, I traded you Jordan Love. Anyway, that's beside the point. But besides <laughs> the point, like Heineke, I legitimately think could be fantasy gold this year if you're in Superflex. And I think it's really interesting considering I don't think the football team had plans for Fitzpatrick beyond this year. So if there's a situation yeah. where Heineke continues, continuously throws 300 yards a game or 250 yards a game and wins games as the quarterback for the football team, we're looking at potentially him starting next year for the football team. Right. Well, he's going to force their hand because if they're a playoff team, they're not going to have a very high pick. This quarterback class sucks. So yeah. why not? I mean, it's – it's. I feel bad for Fitzpatrick. You know, last year he had the situation where after the bye, uh, they brought in Tua. That was it for Fitz. I mean, he came back a couple times when Tua was throwing the ball bad. Yeah, so he, he came in a lot. But, um, like <laughs> – and now it's a situation where Fitz gets injured and there's a real possibility that if they're winning with Taylor Heineke, which they beat the Giants, let's not overreact. But if they're winning with Taylor Heineke, I don't know how you come back and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. I mean, he's like that. That no, has to be the case. Anything, right? I mean, they, they didn't even declare him the starter for most of camp. Like, I think it is egregious how much fantasy Twitter has been talking about uh, Elijah Mitchell being the the waiver wire ad for this week. When I I know Jacob, my co-host here, loves Elijah Mitchell. Well, I do love Elijah Mitchell. Um, but, like, Heineke needs to be the guy. <laughs> really? Okay, <laughs> hey, so, all right. So, this we'll, we'll, start, we'll open this. This Look, first of all, we're eight minutes in. You've not even started on the show sheet today. I just want to oh, let you know, boy. if you're just joining us, if you're just joining us, the plan for today is kind of what the plan is always. We'll run through quickly what the news of the week is. We have a little gimmick based on on the, on the hangover, and then we're going to get to our picks. But I think this is a really interesting discussion. Right now, you're in a super flex dynasty league, and who, who, do, who do you think has more value, Taylor Heineke or Elijah Mitchell? You think it's Heineke? I... It wholeheartedly, Elijah I, Mitchell, right now, and someone says, I'm going to offer you Taylor Heineke. Are you hitting accept? 
Uh, depends on my team makeup. If I'm in a win now That's team, I, if I'm in a win now team, absolutely, I'd take Elijah Mitchell. The, I think if you played that scenario out a hundred times, I'd probably take Elijah Mitchell just because I think he fills the role of Mostert and likely the situation is Mostert's gone next year. And if that's the case, then Elijah Mitchell will fill in for that role and be a usable fantasy asset. Like they could be the dollar store Chubb and Hunt. Like that that's kind of the situation I see them as. But I would take uh, uh, Taylor Heineke just as a starter right now in redraft over multiple other quarterbacks in the league. Like if I was sitting, if I was sitting on uh, Teddy Bridgewater right now in redraft and Fitz got dropped onto waivers, I'd pick up Fitz, throw him in my IR and trade Bridgewater for Heineke right now. Mm. Cause I think it's a better offense. I think they have great talent around them talent. That's only going to get better with the addition of Curtis Samuel, whenever he's healthy and Heineke is a mobile quarterback. Like he, he's like a. This is gonna sound like an insult. Yeah, athletic. Yeah, he he's like a he. So this is just a fun fact. I pulled this up on Player Profiler because I wanted to see oh, uh, some statistics. Taylor Heineke was one rank, like the number one player in accuracy rating in Week One. Like that's Pretty that's. He's, he's definitely he definitely throws balloons and darts for sure. And really impromptu, th- impromptu Billy Stat Corner, impromptu Jacob Stat Corner. Oh no! Three players have registered at least one top fifteen week their position from Old Dominion University this year and last. Can you name those three players? Oh no! I was looking up Old Dominion earlier today. Oh no. And I only remember the team from Conference USA, Middle Tennessee State, because that's where Richie James was from. I have no flipping idea. You can Oh wait, one of them uh, is Taylor it, Heineke. Is Fulgham from Old Yes. Time? One of them is Taylor Heineke. One of them is Fulgham. And I guess one more. Else. And they did it last week. Oh no. Oh no. I have no idea. I have absolutely nothing. The pride of the Indianapolis Colts receiver crew, Zach Pascal from Old Dominion University. <laughs> Pascal's triangle. He's adding. <laughs> Revisited. He's adding on. Anyway, we're, we're, we're 11 and a half minutes into yeah, the show, and Fitz is a single point on our show sheet. Like, that's a single line. Yeah, that's so right. moving on to Elijah Mitchell, because he's also relevant to this conversation, yeah. and I'm good at segues. Uh, Raheem Mostert is out for the season. Tough, tough, tough. Very tough. Mostert. Raheem Mostert is one of those players I want to see succeed in the league. Like, it's sad to see and, him. And now you won't. He's done. Again. But right now you have Elijah Mitchell, who was very controversial on Twitter, being this week's fantasy ad. And Trey Sermon sitting behind him. Jacob, if you're the coach for the 49ers, yeah. who are you running with this week? Man, look, I... <laughs> I first of all, I'm not the coach for the San Francisco 49ers because I wouldn't bench my best wide receiver for half the game. Uh, fun but, game, fun game. But, uh, look, what would I do? 
I would I would use Sermon as my primary early down grinder back. I think he's the more patient runner. I think he's the more rugged runner. I think anything between the tackles, he's probably the one who's going to maximize his yardage more. And then I would run a lot of the outside stretch concepts and swing work for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, what's interesting is how Elijah Mitchell was used in the pass game, or more so how he was not used. That's my biggest my biggest holdup with Mitchell. I really like Mitchell as a prospect for a couple reasons. Number one, he's extremely fast. Uh, I like extremely fast running backs because, especially in today's NFL, look at these feature backs. Look at Barkley, look at Gibson last night, look at Zeke in week one. Even these round one running backs, they're getting like 12, 13 carries a lot of the time in competitive game scripts. You want guys who are going to have the ability to take one of these 10 to 15 carries they're going to get to the house. And Mitchell's a guy that can do that. We saw it in week one. Uh, and I also like that he was at least somewhat involved in the pass game. He had a 7% target share, and he did that sharing a backfield with Trey Ragas, who might actually play a little bit for the Raiders this week. Um, so I was intrigued with Mitchell. Problem with Mitchell is he ran zero routes in week one. Zero. Literally zero. And that's a problem for the 49ers generally. They only had a running back run a route on 33% of their dropbacks. The, the primary pass receiving running back in San Francisco is Kyle Juszczyk. So most of the time, Alec running backs... You're, you sort of have these three roles. You have the, the speed back role for Mitchell. You have the inside zone rusher, which is going to be probably Sermon, or at least that's what I would do. And then you have the pass down back, which presumably is hasty, although that's a role that really doesn't have any value in this offense because you're usually just blocking. So what do I think? I think Mitchell's a flex play this week. I think Sermon is a flex play this week, although a much riskier one because I think like Mitchell's touches, I think, are pretty locked in to the extent anything can be locked in in a Shanahan offense. Whereas Sermon, like, if he just doesn't play, like, no one would be that surprised, right? I mean, he didn't play at all last week. So I, I would say, like, start Mitchell this week would be better than Sermon, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Sermon outscores Mitchell. All right. Well, I think that's fun. I agree on Mitchell. I added him in my redraft league, my redraft league where I have the worst luck that's ever existed. But besides the point, uh, Anything else we want to touch on from Thursday Night yeah. Football? Because if not, we got to go into some scary bullet points. Last, for the last thing week. quick is just Will Fuller. Uh, you know, if anyone hasn't been seen today, personal uh, personal issue, not going to be playing this week, and, and no word on when he will or will not return. A lot of really ridiculous speculation. I guess all I would say to folks is, like, if you don't know anything, if you don't have a legitimate source uh, that's telling you what's happening, don't say what's happening or what you think yeah. is happening. I mean, I've seen some asinine shit from people just saying that uh, some people are like, oh, him and Tua had a massive falling out. Come on. They were like, they thought Deshaun Watson was literally, literally on Wednesday. Tua was doing media talking about how glad he was to have Fuller back. Fuller was doing media talking about what he was going to do in the offense. I've seen people linking him to the Deshaun Watson sexual assault allegations. I mean, look, if you don't have any proof of that, like, knock it the hell off. Like, that's such yeah, a ridiculous absolutely. thing to state. Um, and obviously, if it came out that it was true, you know, whatever. But if you're – yeah, it's just just lay off. Don't speculate. It sucks. If you, if, you, if you roster Will Fuller right now, I mean, first of all, he's Will Fuller. So, like, he was probably your wide receiver three or wide receiver You four. already probably, knew. Your, your season probably wasn't that dependent on Will Fuller's availability. Uh, put him in the IR spot. I, I wouldn't really probably I probably wouldn't be trading for him in Dynasty right now unless I could get him for like a third or something, just because off field stuff, like I'm okay accepting a lot of risk when I understand the parameters of the risk. Yeah. Right? Like I'm okay accepting the risk on 
like Elijah Mitchell, right? It's like, I know what the outcomes are. Either he's their starting running back or he's their one B or he'll never be heard from again because he's around six pick. Like no one, no one has a clue what's going on with Phil Fuller right now. So I'm not trading for him, but I certainly wouldn't like toss him away on panic either. I think he just kind of ride it out. I don't know if you think differently. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat. Will Fuller is the wide receiver one for that offense. If he has personal issues, put him there. It's not an injury. Like, just sit him on your bench. You probably have some wide receiver who has high-end upside. Throw him on your flex spot. Like, that. that's the situation of Will Fuller. No. Um, the I've heard is, is Jason Sarney, who I, who I was really fortunate to do a podcast with over the summer. He, he tweeted out, he does not know anything on the specifics, but his understanding is that it has nothing to do with an injury and it has nothing to do with legal. It's that he received some personal news, um, which uh, he, he was struggling with handling. And obviously we don't know exactly what that is, but that, that's yeah. all I know at this time. Let's get into the main bit. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to do a little quick little transition. We come back, we're going to play, we're going to play the hangover. And basically we're going to talk about some things that went down on the football field in week one. And if you're rostering that player, how does that make you feel? What are you drinking to cope with it? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about in just a little bit. And we will see you uh, in just 20 seconds. Twenty seconds. Okay, well, I don't know how long these things are. <laughs> Just kind of click whichever one comes out, right? So here, do you, do you need some more time here? All right, that's about twenty happy seconds. Now? Happy now? All I'm right. I'm happy. I can work. All right. So here's what we're going to start with. Uh, we're going to start with something that's the top shelfer, right? So you got some great news. Uh, I don't know. You just, you've just finished school. You got a new job. Your buddy's going to get married, right? Like you're pulling out whatever your top drink is that you do when you're doing a toast. The moment where you, where, uh, you know, you really feel like, um, you really feel like you need to go all the way to that top shelf. What was that for you in week one? All right. So I've been playing. I've been playing in the Bourbon Bowl this year with a Rota Lounge, which is really exciting. And so all my picks are going to be bourbon related. That's <laughs> that's important to know. But um, it is important to note I'm a college student, so I'm not going to pick some ridiculously two hundred dollar top shelf mm. like mm. amazing bourbon. I'm going to pick some fifty dollars a bottle. I can share with my buddies on a special occasion. And that's why my Wild Turkey 101 pick for nice. this year, the top shelfer, the best thing that had me feeling good about week one is that every single rookie quarterback was involved early in the game. Yeah, Taysom Hill syndrome is alive and well. Everybody wants to run a right, quarterback. Right, right. You know? But so we're in a situation right now where we kind of got spoiled a little bit by the Patrick Mahomes syndrome. Patrick Mahomes sat for a year and played behind Alex Smith, came out. Obviously, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, probably the best, but besides the point. But we're in a situation now where we kind of have this idea that these early first-round picks are either going to start the game or sit. Like we tend to kind of go into these two different scenarios. Yeah, we which saw is last year what happened. You know, you do just start or sit instead of doing yeah. this weird platoon. <laughs> yeah, we saw it last year with a uh, Tyrod Taylor, where you know he played the first game, then unfortunately, uh, he, he had, 
he he got Norman Bates by a <laughs> by a by a nurse, and then yeah. thankfully he came out and absolutely smoked Trevor Lawrence in Week One. Tyrod, Nancy Kerrigan, Taylor. But in those cases, it is extremely exciting to me where we went into the draft process thinking there was a chance Trey Lance or Justin Fields sits for a year. Like we just don't see them for a year. Or Mac Jones as well. But Mac Jones, obviously, we figured that out before week one. And now we're seeing them taking snaps in the first game of the season. Now, keep in mind, Jimmy Garoppolo, besides that first drive, looked okay. I mean, reasonably enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Andy Dalton looked god-awful, but he's playing against the best defense in the league. So probably probably shouldn't take a whole lot from uh, that. I think we can take as much as we want from that. Oh, sure. We can <laughs> take on Andy Dalton all we want. Like, I, that was one of my favorite parts feel, of the weekend. I feel very comfortable betting against Andy Dalton. What, well, that was one of my favorite parts of the weekend was watching Twitter – like first pick that he throws. First All right, time for Justin Fields. We're done. Amazing. But it is so exciting to see the rookie quarterback getting involved early. And that gives me hope that I think all of them are starting by week four. That, oh, that's my hope. Absolutely. Like I, I see you no might be way. benching you might be benching Jimmy G, but Skylar here in the chat, he he wants to bench Kenny G. He says, Are we hitting the panic button on Galladay yet? And uh, I want to say affirmatively. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, I was pretty out on Galladay early in the process this year, and then I, I became a little bit in at his reduced cost after the hamstring injury. He was falling to round seven, round eight, sometimes even round nine in redraft formats. And I think, frankly, even that was probably uh, probably too high an investment. I mean, like Sterling Shepard historically draws targets at a higher rate than Kenny Galladay does. Kenny Galladay gets that stuff down the field. So far, that's been Slayton. Uh, do I think that that'll even out and that Kenny Galladay might end up taking advantage of more of those deep looks and Darius Slayton? Yes. But do I think he's going to be the unquestioned alpha dog in this offense like he's never been in his career? Seems unlikely. No, I'm I'm sketched out by Kenny G. Uh, I'm not hitting the full panic button. I'm like pressing it enough that I know it's moving, but not enough that like the components hit and it goes off. Yeah. Like, we, we do need to remember that Kenny G was injured for a lot of the offseason. He's injured for a lot of seasons, too. Yeah. But, sure. like, he, he was injured. He's in a new offense. And he is getting use. He's getting targeted. But Kenny G's best season was because he's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver. Like, that's, that's who he is. He's not going to be this Keenan Allen safe floor guy. And if he is not in an offense that's producing a lot of touchdowns, he's not going to be worthwhile. So I'm going to meter expectations on Kenny Galladay. If I drafted him, I'm taking a hit. I probably took him in the eighth, and maybe he's worth a 14th. But I think there's a chance he still bounces back. Definitely a chance for fake alpha Kenny Galladay. Not looking forward to it. Jacob, uh, what's your top shelf? Yeah, my top shelfer, first of all, I mean, look, I'm from Canada, so i got to support local. I got to support the Crown Royal Black. <laughs> and for well me, respected. it was the Detroit Lions running back usage. I mean, everybody knows how much I love DeAndre Swift, but I, I also, in best ball, uh, shout out to best ball, uh, I was drafting a lot of incredible <laughs> quote machine Jamal Williams, who's, first of all, is the most entertaining person in the NFL, uh, other than Dan Campbell. How Campbell and Jamal Williams both ended up in Detroit is just an absolute gift to, to anyone who gets to cover press conferences. But anyway, 
uh, they came out and so often you see people craft these narratives over the offseason, right? You look at Detroit, it's like, oh, they don't have any wide receivers. So they're going to have to just throw the tight ends to the running backs. And it's never quite as good as you think. And this was, this was like you, you had a $200 bottle of scotch that you're sitting on the top shelf. You're like, oh man, it can't possibly live up to my expectations. And then it did. They threw 12 targets to tight ends, 11 to Hawkinson and one to the corpse of Darren Fells. And then they threw 20 freaking targets to the running backs, 11 to Swift, nine to Jamal Williams. I mean, like if, if you have DeAndre Swift, I think you should be expecting RB1 usage the rest of the way. I mean, this is a guy who got all of the long down and distance snaps, got all the two minute hurry up snaps. Even if he shares the rushing load 50-50, but you really want to see is that pass game usage. And for Jamal, I mean, it's awesome. He got a goal line carry. He got uh, nine targets of his own right. I mean, Jared Goff is an absolute dump-off artist. So if he's just going to continue to dump the ball off to these running backs in early downs, late downs, two-minute, whatever minute, then both these guys are going to be excellent and startable, I think, every week in PPR formats. And I think it's, it's very plausible that we're going to see that. Next up. On our, on our list is the Daily Sipper. Uh, I myself am a Daily Sipper. Uh, you know, whether whether it's the showdown slates or the Sunday or the college, you know, I'm trying to watch. I'm trying to keep a little bit of something just to keep me going, just to keep me interested. What are you sipping here, and, uh, and how are you feeling about that in fantasy? All right. I was actually sipping this earlier on in the show, but unfortunately it is gone, and that is David Nicholson Reserve. Which is, you know, one of my favorite whiskeys. Yeah, David Montgomery Reserve. But one of my favorite whiskeys. Once again, hammering the whiskey home. But this one is personal to me because I talked this player up in the draft process. I talked him up as a potential sleeper at the running back position as a rookie. And that is Kenny Gainwell being involved as a flex. The superior Kenny G. The, the superior Kenny G, the man out of Memphis, like any Memphis running back, they don't miss. That's the situation we're in. If you're a Memphis running back, you can flex in the NFL because Man, that's just what we back. watch any given week. And Kenny Gainwell got a lot of usage. There was a lot of talk in the offseason that Boston Scott was going to be, you know, not, not this high-end wide receiver. Great Scott, but there was a lot of rumors that he was going to be pushing to be this, like, one of the more popular targets of Jalen Hurts, and that is not the case. He didn't get touched. He didn't look good, anything, and instead, Kenny Gainwell looked exciting as a running back. I think the Eagles got a value at running back. I thought they got a value in the draft process, and legitimately, this excites me beyond belief. You should be so. It's something that I, I I don't feel this ecstatic belief because anyone can have a breakout in week one. We saw that with Sterling Shepard. Granted, he had a breakout. And then he had a breakout week two because he's but, awesome. But I will meet her expectations about this moving forward. However, I think Kenny Gainwell could be moving in to that Naeem Hines, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard tier yeah, well, that I love so much. for Josh Jacobs right now. Uh, maybe. maybe. Send me an offer for Kenny Gainwell right when we get All off. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, I like the Kenny Gainwell call. I like everything that Philly did. I, I was tweeting about it. I think that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles offense was just a well-orchestrated symphony this they week. They were the surprise I mean, week. Well, surprise, I guess, if you're a hater. 
look, I've been, I mean, I've been pumping my Jalen Hurts bags all off season, and people are like, oh, but you can't pass. Oh, but they're the Eagles. Oh, but whatever. Oh, but Sirianni talking about rock, paper, scissors in a press conference. Look, uh, I mean, it looks fantastic, man. Sirianni found a great way, I thought, to get every one of his playmakers involved in a way that suited them. I mean, you look at what they were doing with Gainwell. Clearly the best pass catching back on that team, and they, they used him that way. Jalen Rager, how did they get him into the mix, right? They're like, all right, we know that you can't really run routes. That's fine. We're just going to get you involved on a tunnel screen. We're going to get three blockers in front of you, and you can use your natural athletic ability to get up field. He scores on that play. Devontae Smith, he got used as their clear number one wide receiver from day one. There wasn't any bullshit about him having to earn his spot, taking his rookie lumps. He was third in the entire NFL in air yard share. He looks like an absolute every week starter smash. Uh, Devontae Smith. They got both the tight ends involved. Dallas Goddard caught a touchdown. Ertz was involved. Sanders. I was talking about Gainwell, but I think you should also feel really good about Miles Sanders this week if you have Miles Sanders. I mean, he he had four catches in his own right for 39 yards. I thought they did a really creative job of scheming him on gap runs, on zone reads, on on uh, uh, on swing running opportunity sweeps is the word I was trying to find. <laughs> Where they get him to use his natural explosion, his quickness to get him out in space. That's what these Eagles have. They don't have a whole lot of nuanced playmakers with the exception of Devontae Smith. They have a lot of guys who do well getting into space, and they took advantage of that. And that was really exciting to see. You should be pumped up about the Eagles, I think. I agree. I agree. Jacob, what's your daily sipper? Yeah, my, my daily sipper uh, is Chase Edmonds. Uh, and and I'm going to be watching Chase Edmonds with a nice little, with a nice little sour, okay? I'm like – I'm, I enjoy the bourbon, like Billy's been saying, but go in a slightly different direction. You know, I also don't mind a nice a nice grapefruit sour or a plum sour. Ooh. I had a great plum sour the other day. But what I'm not sour on was Chase Edmonds' usage. Smooth, uh, I, smooth. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how I come up with these things. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> look, Chase, Chase Edmonds played 50% of the snaps. and people, Some people will be like, oh, no, he only played 50% of the snaps. He played 50% of the snaps in a game that they won 38-13. to 13. Right, he and he, he caught, I believe, five passes in that game. He was uh, tied with James Conner in rush attempts. He led them in rushing yardage. He clearly looked like the better running back. He looked like the running back with a much better role. And there will be weeks going forward where they won't win 38-13. What if they end up losing this week to the Vikings? What if they're when they're playing these shootouts in this division? They have the 49ers, the Rams, the Seahawks. I mean, they play in the best division of football. That's six games guaranteed where they're probably going to be in back and forth contests. And it's pretty clear from week one that if they're in that situation, it's going to be Chase Chase Edmonds, not James Connors, dusty ass out there on the field. So I'm just sitting back, I'm grabbing my sour, and I'm just sipping, and I'm just moderately excited about Chase Edmonds. He's a guy that I've been putting out some feel or trade offers for in a few leagues because he didn't score this week. Things didn't pop off in the box score, but I think there's a lot better to come for Chase Edmonds. And he also has an awesome red visor. No, I, I I talked about this in my Week in the Review uh, episode that I put up in the podcast. Feed. Ja- James, shameless. Uh, James Conner is not the flex that people were hoping he would be. Like, I, I already knew that. I think a lot of people knew that. But there were still these people hoping that James Conner was going to be like a very, very discounted Tony Pollard, a very, very discounted Naeem Hines where they can throw him into a flex and a pinch and hope he gets a touchdown. Like James Conner, I think his ceiling on any given week is seven fantasy points. 
Yeah, without like he's, a touchdown. Yeah. He's without a touchdown, right. Yeah. But that's 70 rushing yards. Right. Like, he's not going to be used in the passing ever. game. He's not going to be used in the passing game. They push the ball downfield in Arizona. Like, I, I don't see a way right. that James Conner is going to be the answer to your team this year. No, you're and not. I, I think that all comes together into this beautiful, like, ball of mass that is Chase Edmonds being fantasy viable and just bowling through whatever. I think they're playing Minnesota this week. They are. they are through Minnesota. I mean, like, here, here's the thing with this Cardinals attack, right? People thought, okay, maybe Connor comes and gets the Drake role, and then Edmonds just plays his role. Uh, no, I mean, you watch it in Week One, right? Last year it was pretty clear. If they had games where they had positive game script like this, Drake was playing in the mid 60s snap wise. Edmonds was down around 30, and then the games where they were 50-50 was the games where they were behind. They had to play more Edmonds in the first half. If this game happened last year, Kenyon Drake would have had 70% of the snaps. He would have had 20 carries, and he almost certainly would have had a couple goal line touches. Uh, James Conner might be the goal line back, but he's not getting the early down pass work that we used to see Kenyon Drake get even last year. Frankly, he's not even getting a monopoly on the carries, right? They're bringing in Evans. And they have Rondale Moore, who's basically another running back in terms of how yeah. they're using him a lot of the time. My so, boy. Uh, so wheels up on Evans, wheels up on Rondale, not, not yeah. up on Conner. Last thing for you. Scrubbing out the bottom shelf. I had this experience a little while ago when I was moving to Vancouver and I had to go to a party the last night and I was like, oh man, what should I bring? I got like, I, what do I have? I have like this random cider. I have like a Coors Light. I have all these things that are just left. Let's just scrape out the fridge. We'll make it work. What, what's, what's leaving a bit of that taste in your mouth right now? All right. So as I'd mentioned previously, and I like to mention as much as possible, I am a college student. And because of that, my first ever college party was at this random house in the middle of a town that's like six miles from here. My buddy drove us out there. The cops broke the broke down the party at like 1130. <laughs> but at 10 p.m., my buddy Landon, he doesn't watch this show, but I wish he does, handed me a bottle of Kentucky Deluxe, which is Ooh. just the worst tasting bourbon in the world. But also, those of you who do shop at bourbon continuously, Kentucky Deluxe is the $7.99 two-liter that you can buy that's like in a plastic bottle, and it smells gross, and you already know what you're getting yourself into. And that situation right now, the only thing that reminded me of week one, because I was very excited about having football back, is that I think the Tennessee Titans might be a fantasy trap this year. Yeah. And that That's scares sad. me. It's very sad. They, Good luck winning so, an NL. Uh, right? <laughs> hey, I actually. <laughs> Let me sit him and toast crunch in that one. Ooh. It's okay. I'll play Dak over Ryan Tannehill and be fine. But, like, it's. it's So, right now, one of the hottest waiver wire ads in redraft was taking the Arizona Cardinals defense as like a streamer for this week. They're playing Minnesota. They're probably going to get a lot of sacks. That O-line yeah. looked bad. And, and they got a backup left tackle because Derisaw is missing. Exactly. And that's great. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals defense was as good as they were last week. I don't think they're half as good as they were last week. I think a lot of that comes down to how poorly, first off, how poorly the Titans offensive line looked. Oh, my God. But also a situation where 
I think we've found this out previously. The Titans cannot play from behind. That's not how they work. We saw it in the playoffs two years ago. We saw it when the Ravens absolutely smoked them last year. Like, this just isn't how they work. They want to be able to score through dynamic playing and then have Derrick Henry win them the game by handing him the ball on every play and having him run for 100 yards. And Derrick Henry is completely capable of that. But for whatever reason, something isn't clicking on that offense where they're not getting Julio Jones involved. And A.J. Brown is just not – he got touchdowns saving his week last week but he's not keeping up at the same pace we were hoping for. There was talks of A.J. Brown being the wide receiver one this year. Like, it is it is a very scary situation. And one of the few things from this last week that just left a horrible taste in my mouth was the fact that I may have to admit that I'm a, I'm a Packers fan, but I always say if the Packers disappeared, if they Thanos snapped, no longer existed, I'd be a Titans fan. And I have to exist, admit the fact, that my secondary secondary favorite team might be a trap this year with all the talent yeah. on their team That's and all the talent that I drafted from them. That's a trap. It That's hurts. Uh, it my hurts. my bottom shelfer. First of all, if you're from if you're from the two hundred four. If you're from Winnipeg. If you're from up north, Canada. You know what I'm saying when I'm saying stone cold. Okay, we're talking two liter bottle. Plastic bottle of beer, got a nice blue label. It's got some frothy carbonated bubbles on the side, and it says stone cold in like clip art font. All right, that stuff is narse. You drink that for two reasons. Number one, you can't afford anything else. Okay, that's reason number one. Number two, you lost a bet. Those are the only two reasons to drink stone cold. But the thing that was even more disgusting than stone cold, the thing that was even more cold than stone cold, because right. the Jacksonville Jaguars offense, my God. Urban Meyer, man. What are you doing? What are you doing, Urban? I mean, 9 to 5 is not my work hours. That is the t- the carry count in Jacksonville. Between Carlos Hyde, who had 9, and James Robinson at 5. Like, everybody knows what I think of James Robinson, okay? I'm not exactly president of the James Robinson fan club over here. But my word. Carlos Hyde is a piece of mummifying dust. And they were like, you know what? You're our lead back, dude. The, the other team, they got Mark Ingram out there carrying it 26 carries. We got to match that with our own dusty Carlos Hyde. It was it was just rough. If you're a James Robinson owner, you should be in panic mode. Not only did they lose carries to Carlos Hyde, they were also the most pass-heavy team outside of the Thursday night teams in terms of their neutral situation pass rate. It wasn't just like they got behind and then all of a sudden they started passing. They came out pass-heavy from jump. And the problem was they weren't effective with it. So not only are you losing uh, carries for James Robinson to hide, not only are you losing it to the scheme, you're not even getting a good offense. I mean, Chark, Marvin Jones, and Chenault, it looked like kind of just a three-way meh. You end up with Marvin as the best fantasy day. Chark ends up with the most targets. Off of BS ends touchdown. up with the most catches. So it's just kind of a, a whole schmozzly schmoo right now. You know, you'd really love to see – Chenault's role grow to where he's playing every snap. He's not doing that yet. He's still stuck in the slaw role. He still is a low A dot. DJ Chark still failing to realize his air yards. It just seems like it just seems like that's the theme with Chark. It's like he, he gets a bunch of targets. The catch rate sucks. Then people are like, oh, it's the quarterback's fault. And it probably is. Um, but that just seems like a perpetual story of DJ Chark's career. 
And then you have Marvin Jones, who's going to be not good enough to ever actually want him, but not bad enough to ever help the other two be worth starting. And we're talking about James O'Shaughnessy. That's unfortunate. Uh, I don't want to talk about James O'Shaughnessy. So my my like bottom shelfer is just everything that Urban Meyer is doing. I do hope that he goes back to USC because I cannot watch him ruin <laughs> so many viable fantasy assets ever again. They got blown out by the Texans. The Texans. Ty God. Ty God. Texans. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, this, there are very few things I bitch about. I'm pretty easygoing. I'm pretty, I'm a, I am a simple man. I like my whiskey, my steak. That's about it. But there's one thing I bitch about, and it's that rebuilding teams consistently <laughs> draft quarterbacks before doing anything <laughs> else. Before, like, I get Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. Like, he could be the best thing since Andrew Luck to come into the league. Like, that, I, I get it. I wholeheartedly get it. But, like, teams that are in a rebuild don't, shouldn't draft a quarterback. I've been on this boat for a long time, and that's because if you draft a quarterback, it's like stapling a gun onto a refrigerator. Like, it, the gun is lethal. The gun will do a lot, but nothing is there to pull the trigger. And it's the situation now. with the gun to a refrigerator? Because I just drank, like, two glasses of David Nicholson Reserve. But, like... Why refrigerator? But like that, that's my thought process. It doesn't make sense. Like also, so how would you many, staple a gun? <laughs> so many of these situations, you need to not just go out and buy the most expensive quarterback in the league. Like, because that doesn't fix your team. I think if you put Patrick Mahomes right now on the Jaguars, they're a B minus team. Like. The, like I, I don't understand that concept because I I have given full credit to Dan Campbell. Taylor Heineke and Dan Campbell are two of my favorite people in the league right now. I love because Dan Campbell so seems set up to do this exactly correct. They're building up their defensive line and their offensive line. They're setting up a situation where they can build around. And then when those players are on their second contract, they can go get a quarterback on their rookie contract, pay some free agent wide receiver, mm. and all of a sudden make a playoff run. Right. Like, That's the biggest advantage in the NFL is having a quarterback who's good on a rookie contract. If you like don't have need, a team around them, it's pointless. They need to build correctly, and the Jaguars aren't doing that. The Jaguars have the right. worst offensive line in the league. I dare you to name a person on their offensive line. I can't. Uh, they have – probably the worst defense in the league. They're looking to trade their number nine pick from last year just to hopefully do something. Like, they have no shining stars. And they spent their amazing draft capital this year on Trevor Lawrence, granted generational talent, and a fucking running back. Why? Slash. I don't. Slash. I don't. An injured slash. Get it. I don't get it. They're screwed really up don't. so bad. It's like, it, it's it's like an order operations problem, right? Like what you have bed mass, bed mass or PEMDAS. Please excuse my dear aunt Sally, right? Like please excuse my drunk uncle urban. That's, that's yeah. the order of operations that they're doing. You, if Trevor Lawrence is good on the rookie contract, they'll never be able to take advantage of it. And by the time that he is good, uh, 
because then they're going to have to build another rest of the team. And by the time that the rest of the team's good, then he's going to be on his second contract, and then you're going to be capped out. Like I agree. Like I, Urban Urban Meyer is is such a dumb fuck, and Trent Balky is is a total stupid ass. And yeah, it sucks. Cap- We're done with you, Jaguars. Screw you. We still have one more segment to do. Uh, I've been like feeling like we were good for time because I was like, oh, we only got 45 minutes. And I forgot that we still have an entire segment to go. So when we come back, um, I will no longer, I will take my stapler and I will staple a gun to the refrigerator. And then once I'm doing that, (laughs) just to see if that shoots anyone, uh, then we'll come back. We will do our picks of the week. I will also inform you of Tom's picks of the week because although he is not with us, he still has picks. Billy, how many seconds uh, do you think it's going to be until until we see you again this time? I'm giving it six. Six seconds? Okay. He's picking the one that's his, like, third. I count 11. You got us at 11? 11 personnel? 11 seconds, but. (laughs) 11 seconds. All right. So it wasn't quite the uh, it wasn't quite the Mike D'Antoni seven seconds or less signs then. Yeah. All right, let's start it with you here, and we'll start at the quarterback position. Just for anyone who's tuning in, here's what we do every week. We're gonna uh, we're gonna make some picks. We're gonna pick a quarterback outside the top fifteen, a running back, and a wide receiver outside the top twenty-four, and a tight end outside the top eight. All of those are gonna be based on fantasy pros PPR ADP. These are gonna be our starts of the week. Then we're going to add up how everyone did, and the winner gets to gets to brag a little bit. Last week was a calamity because Tom picked Odell Beckham, who didn't play. I picked Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think had negative points. And then yes. Billy picked Raheem Mostert, who got injured immediately. However, Billy still managed to be victorious in a very low-scoring affair. Billy did take it home. So, Billy, you're one to know, how are you going to play this at quarterback this week? Yeah, I'm hoping this isn't the trend that continues because we're taking food off some plates right now. I mean, between Mostert, Fitzpatrick, OBJ, like it is a cursed situation. But besides the point, for my quarterback this week, I'm taking the scariest man in the league, the statue himself, those, those freaky things from Doctor Who that when you look at them, they stay still, and then you look away and they jump at you. I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger against Las Vegas. That Las Vegas offensive line or defensive line looks, you know what, kind of okay. But I think the offensive line in Pittsburgh is going to be enough to hold them off enough that they can win these yak situations, which is how they're going to have to win games. They're not going to be able to rely on Ben Roethlisberger's arm. They're going to have to rely on short intermediate throws, and then rely on their very athletic wide receivers that they have to make some great plays. And the other part about that defensive line is besides one breakaway Tyson Williams run, they look pretty good against the run. So you know what? Maybe they can't rely on Najee Harris that much. I'm taking Ben Roethlisberger for my QB this week going into week two. That sounds good, and I am going to be taking the Mac Daddy. Uh, Mac Jones, first start against a tough Miami Dolphins defense. He looked really good. They deserve to win that game. I thought they were the better team. I thought Mac Jones actually played better than Tua, Tungavailoa in that game. However, Damian Harris fumbled the ball away on the 10-yard line, and the Patriots are 0-1. But this week, 
they face another divisional opponent. And who is it? It's the New York Jets. The New York Jets are bad. They don't have any corners. Their secondary is just a bunch of nameless, faceless people. And Matt Jones has a plethora of options to throw to between the tight ends, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar. Look, I know the Carolina didn't light up the Jets like many people were hoping, but that's because Sam Darnold is patootie. And Tom's not on this podcast, so he doesn't have to just <laughs> a little ticker. I'm just going to say it. He sucks. Sam Darnold, not QB1 season. So give me Mac Jones. I think we could easily get 300 yards and three touchdowns out of the Mac Daddy this week, especially if they maybe lean a little pass heavy. Because we don't know what Bill Belichick's thinking. He doesn't want to play Ramondre Stevenson ever again. What if he doesn't want to play Damian Harris either? What if J.J. Taylor and James White are their top three running backs this week because of the fumble? speed. And you're going to see like 50 Mac Jones pass attempts. So that's the kind of stuff that I want to see. Also, shout out to the chat. We got uh, Cody in the chat. What's up, Cody? Woo! He says, what up? How are you doing, Cody? We got uh, AJ Talk Sports. Let's get some love for Jacoby Myers and Schwartz this week. Well, I just talked up Jacoby Myers. Just talked up I Jacoby like Schwartz. and Mac and the whole crew. I'm in on Anthony Schwartz, man. Youngest player in the good. draft. He looked really wide receiver. Fastest wide receiver in the draft. He missed the whole camp with a hamstring injury. They still went out and schemed him touches. That's really impressive stuff. He looked like what Vegas needs to do for rugs. Like that. Like I, I didn't buy into rugs as the number one wide receiver. But I don't buy into Ruggs being Useless. a fourth round wide receiver. Right. Like yeah, when Ruggs played at Alabama, he wasn't this like burn the field, beat everyone, no. have someone chuck him the ball. He was this yak guy who got He's the ball. He's a and player. <laughs> yeah, he needs to be this guy. And Gruden refuses to use him this way because he has Darren Waller, this monster. They have Frankenstein at tight end. So they have a they have a refrigerator with a gun stapled to it at tight end. So why not? Like I I agree. I like Schwartz. Ruggs deserves better, but I agree on both those points. Myers and Myers and Schwartz. I don't think any of us have him, but Shout out to uh, Cody. He says, just talked about Schwartz on Undercovered Ops. He was two bad passes away and a drop away from five, 155 and two. Yeah, man, there's going to be days when that comes out. I mean, OBJ's yeah. not playing this week. Who knows when he's going to play? I think Sh Schwartz clearly outplayed Donovan Peoples-Jones in that game, so I would not be surprised if he keeps having snaps. He brings a whole new element to that offense, so I'm excited to see it. And uh, Cody, man, he's always on the money with these prospects. If, if you want a late-round prospect, check out whoever Cody's talking about because Cody was also one of the dudes who was hyping up K.J. Osborne in this offseason. So back before <laughs> there were any reports, he was he was hyping up Quez Watkins. He was hyping up Mike Strawn, who might be the Colts wide receiver one this week because all the rest of them are questionable. And I don't just mean their talent level. I mean, they might not play. Um, so Is that how sure, his last uh, name is pronounced? Yeah, it's Mike Strawn. Strawn? Yeah, it's not, it's not Strachan. It's Strawn. I've been pronouncing that wrong for a while, and I think so is half the fantasy analyst. Yeah. All right, quickly before we move on to running back, just want to get the rest of these questions. Uh, AJ says, Ruggs can't beat dudes off the line like Schwartz did. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's why Schwartz had yeah. a 26% target share at Auburn and why Ruggs still is yet to see a breakout age. And Play4N says, how do I find out ownership percentage on DraftKings? Um you can find out uh, there's some free data up on PFF. Uh, I think that's mostly cash focused. Otherwise, you probably want a subscription to something like Roto Grinders or Daily Roto or Establish the Run. If you're if you're going to play a fairly high volume of tournament lineups, it's definitely worth doing. Um, otherwise, you know you can kind of try and manage to figure out. I mean, if you use some common sense, right? The best way I would always say for people who don't want to pay for ownership projections, they just want to play a couple tournament lineups. Go in 
and figure out what your cash lineup is going to be. All the players that you want to play in cash, those are the players that other people are going to want to play in tournaments anyways. And then you have to think about, okay, which games have the highest totals, right? So if you sort of combine the players that look really good at their salary, uh, the totals that are really high, you'll probably get a decent enough feel for where the ownership is if you just want to play a couple lineups a week. Otherwise, you probably want to subscribe to some serious ownership projections. Um, let's move on quickly for our running backs. Oh, by the way, Tom, I forgot to mention. Tom's Our boy. Uh, Tom picked this week. Uh, I am trying to stall because I'm trying to find it. Uh, Tom picked this week Jameis Winston. And, you know, unlike me, when I was trying to figure out who Tom picked, Tom's pick was prepared. He just he talked to his trainer. What did he say, Billy? What did his mm-hmm. trainer say? He just told him to be prepared. Uh, James Winston had an absolutely awesome week one and a fantastic sound clip after the game. Uh, we're excited to see more of James this week for sure against Carolina. Billy, who's your running back? All right. My running back taking on the best defense in the league, the most dynamic offense in the league. However, regardless of that, I'm going to take Kareem Hunt versus the Houston Texans. I I think it's a situation where they're going to get up very high very early on, and I can hope that Baker tosses one of those touchdowns to Kareem Hunt. But one of the other exciting parts is that if we're in a situation where we don't have our boy Nick Chubb, that's Baker Mayfield running the ball down their throats. Great situation across the board. Give me Kareem Hunt against the Houston Texans. I think I just said Baker Mayfield instead of Kareem Hunt, but besides the point. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, my pick at the running back position, I talked about him already. I'm Daily Sipper. Daily Sipper, Chase Edmonds. I'm just going to be a fun game against Minnesota. Really high total, up over 50 points. It's a tight spread. I'm expecting to see uh, actually both of these teams too. Um, both these teams were top eight in neutral situation pass rate. So I'm expecting to see something that's strong out of these guys. Also, I just informed on the back end, uh, we do in fact have videos from Tom. So my bad. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing Chase Edmonds. You're doing Kareem Hunt. Let's find out quick. Look, what's he was my pick? favorite running back in the entire offseason. All right. And that's not going to change now. Week two gives him such an amazing matchup the jacksonville jaguars made the running backs of the houston texans look viable i saw mark ingram get picked up in a lot of places that is just how bad they were on defense um look javante williams is gonna smash this week you give this man 15 touches against this defense he's bound to make something happen he's a great player absolutely love him javante williams my absolute dialed in locked in pick to help me rebound week two. Let's go. I miss Javante him a little Williams. bit. There you heard it. Uh, Javante, I, I talked about, we talked about both Javante and Melvin Gordon on the Wednesday night show with Chase and Shane. We're, we're into starting any Broncos. Start your Broncos. Smoke them if you got them. Yeah, right. Gordon, Williams, Sutton, Fant, Hamler, Patrick, Albert, Okue, Bunam. Whoever you want, you just fire those Broncos in your lineups because the Jaguars suck. Cody in the chat saying total yards for Edmonds was 68.5, almost 69. Nice. Uh, up to 72.5. Good call. Love Chase versus my Vikings. Hey, Cody, look, if Chase has a big game, that's good news for your Vikings, right? Because, yeah. I mean, Chase's best situation is they fall behind the touchdown. They have to start passing to keep up. So I'll, I'll rock my cousin's jersey uh, this week uh, for my Chase Edmonds lineups. 
Billy, man, who you got a wide receiver? All right. One of my favorite things to do in fantasy is I love to stack quarterbacks and wide receivers. And I'm doing that this week with my picks. I'm taking Chase Claypool, also playing the Raiders, along with my boy, Ben Roethlisberger. Like I said, they're probably going to be getting some pressure on him, and they're going to be relying a lot on some run-after-the-catch plays from their wide receivers, dump it all off to Chase Claypool, let him make a big play, and both of those are going to benefit my picks this week. I'm taking Chase Claypool against the Las Vegas Raiders. That is a very good one. I like that you're picking against the Raiders. I like the people have been picking against the Jaguars. All right, my pick, I'm going to pick against another really bad team. Uh, I know they looked good last week, but uh, I, I'm still not quite buying that the Texans have got it. So we got no OBJ. We talked about Schwartz. It's going to be that dynamic option stretching the field. But you know who's going to be gobbling up a lot of targets in the intermediate area of the field? It's going to be Jarvis Landry. Uh, look, this week, I just finished up my classes for the week. It's been busy. I'm going to be doing a lot of laundry, and I'm going to be starting a lot of laundry this week in fantasy <laughs> football against the oh, Houston Texans, baby. Maybe he'll even get some rushing. He got that carry last week. He looked like a dog on that. That's what we want to see. Uh, really quick here before uh, we go to Tom, Matt B says, how do we feel about Naheem Hines in line for his best season yet? Is he the Colts' actual wide receiver one? Yes, he is the Colts' actual wide receiver one because Michael Pittman kind of sucks. Uh, Zach Pascal's triangle revisited uh, is the GOAT. Paris Campbell apparently picked up a new core, uh, core injury, uh, which, you know, we never like to see Paris Campbell getting injured. That seems concerning. And then there's Mike Strawn, and they didn't even use the tight ends that much last week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm liking Naheem Hines. Certainly Wentz seemed willing to check it down. I feel good for the sandwich of that comment. I don't know if I'm willing to bet because he was what RB eleven last year, RB fifteen. But that was like that was lame though. That's total. He was RB twenty nine points per game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm willing to bet RB fifteen end a year. But I'll, per game, I'll bet him doing well. PPG. I, I'm I'm down for PPG. a little PPG. A little PPG. PPG. Right off PPG. And Javante or Elijah Mitchell this week. Javante. I would take Javante. I think similar situation. You're going to get a running back who's going to probably be efficient. You're going to get a running back who's splitting touches. But one of them is playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I will go with that guy. Quickly, we talked about our receivers. I picked Jarvis Landry. Uh, you picked Chase Claypool. Let's see what you got for us, Tom. For my wide receiver selection, I'm going to piggyback because, look, you only had one reception for 14 yards on three targets, and that's Cortland Sutton. And guess what? Like I just mentioned with Javante Williams, he gets Jacksonville this week. Jacksonville. Cortland Sutton is going to smash that defense. I know he's coming off injury. I know he's getting himself right. This is a get-right game if I've ever seen one, and I need to make up some ground in the points department, and Cortland Sutton could easily wrap up two TDs from Teddy B this week. Locking it in, there's not a whole lot you can say here. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He's one of the last true alphas in the NFL. I think he's going to get right. I think it's going to be this game, Judy being gone, going to funnel him some targets. I am worried about Hamler over the top and Noah Fant doing his thing. When it's all said and done, Cortland Sutton's going to be the man this week. That's my locked-in receiver pick from your host with the most time on his hands, Thomas Hipple FF. Thanks for that, Tom. 
I love the fear of KJ Hamler over the top when he spent the last year complaining about Teddy B not throwing over the top to DJ Moore. Man, I, the Hamler drop, that was tough. Because, yeah. like, I don't know how many deep balls we're going to get on target from my boy Teddy B. So when we get them, I just I just need my large adult, not that large, actually, my small adult son, KJ Hamler, to, to make those catches. Uh, real quick, before we go into the tight end position, AJ asking us, Kirk, Schwartz, or Myers this week for the most upside. Um, well, I still think it's, it's Myers. I know you phrase it in terms of upside. We probably don't think of slow slot receivers in terms of upside, but upside can also come from targets. Uh, I think it was Schwartz and Kirk, but these are probably like people that will be living in the three to six target range. I know Kirk had the, the big spike game, but Rondale looked really good. I expect this role to increase. Yeah. AJ Green still ran more routes than Christian Kirk for reasons I'm unsure of. Uh, and Anthony Schwartz, you know, he still only ran about half the route. So I think Myers is going to get the most opportunity. He was out there on every snap, playing the Jets. He got nine targets. I, I like Jacoby this week. I think Christian Kirk is going to be a stats corner question next year when who had the most receiving touchdowns in week one. Like, I that was that was a crazy situation. I don't think the Cardinals really want Christian Kirk to be their guy. I think it's going to be Rondale. Like, so I, I'm in the same boat. Give me Myers. Schwartz, Christian Kirk. And if I have Christian Kirk, I'm trading him. Yeah, you definitely got to. Oh my gosh. My home league, Andrew, if you're in the chat, buddy, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say what you did. He traded his 2024 <laughs> first for Christian Kirk in a 22 second. You can't do that. You can't trade first for Christian Kirk. You can't do that. We're not in 2019 anymore. It didn't work out then. It won't work out now. We're, we're done with Christian Kirk. Uh, tight end position. I'm going to mix it up this time. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to mix it up. We're going to start with Tom. Thomas Tipple, lead us off. Who you got at the tight end spot this week? Tight end can always be a fickle position. I know because I I implored people to play Tyler Croft last week. And it was not lucrative, to say the least. But this week, I think there is a player so far down the Fantasy Pros lineups for what he did uh, in week one that has my head spinning. And it's Adam Troutman. Look, he didn't have anything sexy happen, right? Three receptions, 18 yards. But six targets in a game where the Saints did not throw very much. And he plays the Carolina Panthers. Doubling up on another one of my picks here in this game. The matchup is just too good for me not to love here. He's going to get targeted. Okay, He's going to have red zone opportunities. The, the Saints are going to move the football maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Who knows? They blew up the Green Bay Packers in week one. And Adam Troutman's going to have the opportunity this week to net himself a big, big day, which means a big day for me against you losers, but not the people. We love the people. Those are my four picks for this week. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the show. I love Tom's like doing this like wrestling hype videos. I'm so yeah. sad that I didn't know that, that he had actually saved them uh, because those are absolutely awesome. Could you imagine if I didn't play any of those? That's gold. Yeah, I'm glad I messaged in chat. Thank God. Thank God. Tom <laughs> messaged me in the Slack too. I got it on both ends here. Um, Damn. I love the Tom pick Troutman because everyone's talking about Jawan Johnson. And I mean, that's fun. He's athletic and he's a tight end. So I'm interested. But he had the most lucky week ever. Like, you want to talk about Billy Stackhorn question. I mean, my God, what did he run? Like six routes? 
So it wasn't a lot. He had 12 snaps. I think he ran six throws. He had three targets, two touchdowns. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, God, to you Jordan Howard's line. That, right? Adam Troutman is the tight end one in this offense, and he's not just there to block. He got targets. He got work. Uh, it's it, it was just a very bizarre situation, but I like the Trout this week. Billy, who is your tight end? I'm going with the hat here in quite possibly the biggest get-right game that can ever happen. Coming back from one of the worst games I've ever seen played in my 24 years of being a Packers fan, I'm taking Robert Tunyon as my tight end to absolutely blow up against the Detroit Lions. If Rodgers goes out on Sunday and is just like, you know what, I want to show who I am, and he throws eight touchdowns, I don't think anyone would be surprised. Because he's just going to air it out. Devontae Adams is excited. Jeff Okuda's injured. Like, it's such a situation where I think this is the clearest pick at a tight end position, the most likely to get a touchdown besides Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson, Pitts. Like, this is the most get right game I've ever heard of. Give me Robert Tunyon against the Lions with Aaron Rodgers. There you go. All right, last week, my only good pick, really, was I took Uncle Gerald Everett going up against uh, going against my Indianapolis Colts, and it paid off. He didn't have that good of a role, but he still managed to score a touchdown. The Colts, historically, this defense is not very good against tight ends. They play that cover two shell. They give up the, those receptions to tight ends over the seam. And this week, Darius Leonard probably going to play. He's not 100%. Look, I was fading this guy all summer. I don't want to say it. I don't want to admit it. The man committed a hate crime. However, Tyler Higby ran 96% of the routes, 96% of the routes. You know who didn't do that? Robert Woods, not even Van the Man Jefferson. Tyler Higby essentially was the number two wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams of week one. Is that how I would deploy my offense, functioning my offense around Tyler Higby instead of Robert Woods? No, but Sean McVay has decided that that is the path that he will walk, at least in week one. And so going into week two, I have no choice but to believe what I saw. And that means going to be playing Tyler Higby this week. Everyone's going to be all on Cooper Cup. All on Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby luckily didn't score a touchdown, so I don't know if people caught on to just how amazing that role was. But his role was honestly on tier with the elites, the position. He's still ranked outside the top eight. So this is, I think, the last week that Tyler Higby will be an eligible pick for me in this segment. Yeah. All in on Tyler Higby. Uh, I don't like it, but that's what we're doing. Just to recap, at quarterback, we have Mac Jones for me. We had Jameis Winston for Tom. And you picked? Ben Roethlisberger. At running back, we had Javante Williams out of Tom. Chase Edmonds for me. And your running back was? Last week I had Raheem the Dream. This week I have Kareem the Dream. Oh, man. And wide receiver, you had all-Canadian metric system, Chase Claypool. I was picking uh, uh, Jarvis Landry. Tom went with Cortland Sutton. And finally, a tight end. You took big Bob Tanyan. I took Tyler the hate crime Higby. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Thomas Tiffle, half-half, decided to go with Adam Troutman. That's a wrap for our picks of the week. That's a wrap for everything that we got going on. Billy, say one more thing for the people here on the, on a beautiful Friday night. Yeah. You can always find me here on the full tilt podcast. You can find me on Twitter 
at Big Billy FF. Uh, I'm going to be continuing my preview 22 series here coming up on the website. You can also check out every week me every week in your favorite podcast feed with the weekend review where I'm covering all of the, the entire Sunday slate, all wrapped up in a nice package for you. And you can always check out, I always got to shout them out, Dynasty Nerds, a great overall system. And with that, I'm going to pass it over to Jacob to wrap us out. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, of course, FF underscore RTDB. My article was just put out, uh, the Pareto Principles Part 2. We're going to be talking about everything week two in that article from a broader strategic perspective. And specifically, if you're playing DFS this week, everyone's playing the Cowboys and the Chargers. Does that mean you can't? If you are playing the Cowboys and Chargers, how do you do that in a way that doesn't leave you drawing dead in tournaments? And then I'm going to be back to talk probably more about the Cowboys and Chargers and everything else DFS in audio form on No Free Squares tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, and 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, you can find all my work on Player Profiler. And Tom, of course, is not with us today. He'll be back next week alongside Billy. And I believe I will be there as well. You better be. At the moment on the boat cruise. Anyway, uh, you can find us all, of course, at our website, fulltiltdynasty.com. And until then, we will see you next week. And just remember that clear eyes and full hearts cannot lose let's try and find this outro so i don't make any further technical mistakes have a good one work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? I don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight, Alan. Gambling? Who's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. <laughs>